Uh, hi, welcome back to the Vet Alumni. I'm Fizz, and I'm with Sam and Alexi. And today we're going to launch a conceptual inquiry into the revival of preppy style that's been happening for the past year or so. It's especially become popular in alternative fashion and culture, which is why it's of interest to us, uh, because we think it's an interesting example of young alt kids leaning into trad avenues, which uh, we... We thought of a few that you guys are probably familiar with. Yeah, one of them is the alt prep look with Tyler the Creator's golf fashion collection. Another would be Vivian Westwood's necklace slash argyle sweater vest alt prep. That's a personal favorite of mine. Another one we've discussed quite a few times on this podcast, which is like the infamous schoolgirl look, which has super heavy kawaii influences. And then there's also the more casual, like, Gap flared leggings Emma Chamberlain look. And um, there's also the old money country club core. It's not very alt. It's kind of like the um, Lily Pulitzer vibe, which has, in our opinion, an inevitable comeback. Can't wait for Lily to come back, for sure. Um, It's definitely going to happen. But before we go any further, we want to give a brief definition and description of what preppy style is for any listeners who may not be familiar Especially since preppy is a descriptor that's bound to the U.S., or at least it was originally, I'm sure it's now used outside of the U.S. Um, But in the 20th century, preppy was a subculture in the United States associated with old private college preparatory schools located in the northeastern United States. It's also heavily associated with Ivy League colleges, which are the most elite universities in this country. But at this point, it's really just a style and way of life associated with conservative, upper-middle-class, old-money wasp society. So even though the origins of preppy fashion derive are derived from uh, the fashion of Ivy League colleges in the mid-20th century, um, they've been pretty modified like every single decade of the 20th century afterwards. Um, so there's not really a singular uniform preppy look. But traditional preppy items include Argyle, which Biz has a great TikTok on, uh, blazers, knitwear, monograms, leisure sportswear like rugby shirts, sailing shoes, tennis skirts, riding boots, uh, chino pants, polos, and pretty much anything associated with school uniforms. So due to many factors, which we'll get into later on, uh, preppy style has now migrated globally, a process that started in the 1980s when preppy culture was at its height. The publishing of the official preppy handbook in 1980 exposed preppy culture to the masses and it helped democratize the preppy subculture. But prior to the book, primarily only wealthy wasp elites adopted the preppy subculture. And uh, yeah, I guess, oh, sorry. I was just going to make a note about this book. Maybe we'll leave a link in the episode notes. The reason why it's so memorable because it's kind of like a humor book, like poking fun at preppy people and how seriously they take themselves. But it also kind of put on blast all of these like social codes and things that you would really only know if you were like participating in this section of society. So it was almost like a WikiLeaks kind of vibe. <laughs> like they, I can't finish this. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's like it's no, no, it's like funny because it's. Kind of like the old-fashioned version of like the aesthetics wiki page. If you guys have yeah. website, it's basically just this huge website that's like wiki format where you can see every single, mostly I would say like TikTok aesthetic or internet aesthetic, and it gives you like 
every single guideline on how to participate in that aesthetic. Yeah. So it was kind of like that, but obviously with a a, a parody twist yeah. to it. But I feel like those aesthetics today, like in a sense, it is kind of like an expanded starter pack type of thing. But exactly. it also, yeah, it also has really crazy information about like in every city, like what bar you can go to to hang out with other preppy people. I'm like, this is kind of like your doxing them or something i was looking at it and i was like i wonder if these places are still here today like it was basically like go like fuck with the preppy people in your town it's like every city in america they have like a list of preppy things to do there and like where you can find preppy people and what they're probably doing on the weekends and how they're raising their kids so it was like it's structured in this chronological way that's like birth to death like what preppy people are as children yeah and kind of takes you through like the whole timeline of preppy people it's definitely a total vibe and i wish someone would do that for i don't know like aesthetics change so quickly today and have like nothing to do with the conditions of your birth so it would be really hard but imagine if there was like a cottagecore baby that like grew up into being a cottagecore old person yeah and aesthetics are really tied to locations there's no more a physical city subculture or anything because everything hashtag deep territorialized yeah in fact yeah we'll we'll get our literally we'll get our theory grim listeners hooked with that word um yeah Yeah, we want to give them an erection Um, (laughs) going going back a few decades um this kind of shift of preppy culture going outside of its very specific wasp community origins actually kind of started to happen in the 60s and that is because um John F. Kennedy was elected as president of the United States. And uh, you guys may know that he is a Catholic, but you may not know that he, I mean, you may know this, but he was the first Catholic president and there's only ever been one after that and it was Biden. So um, Sam, if you want to talk a little bit about how anti-Catholic sentiment was existing at that time, because it is a very interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was very anti-Irish specifically. Um, there's like a lot of rumors and theories about the traditional WASP establishment eventually killing Kennedy in order to like retain their uh, dwindling power because he was seen as sort of an outsider. There was a threat that he wasn't going to advocate for their interests. Um, so Kennedy grew up in the Northeast, which is like WASP territory. And I guess he dressed this way like the boston brahmin thing in order to avoid getting killed could you, kind of, could you go into what that means because i i've never heard that term before it's like his accent i don't actually know like super deep like it's just kind of like a upper class like culture it was like a also, yeah it doesn't brahmin isn't that like the highest caste in indian society is that like where they borrowed it from oh uh, it's really no, funny. that's like brahminism right or what does brahmin mean I have an Indian, so, like a partially Indian friend who's always like saying like, yeah, like I'm descended from Brahmin. <laughs> this is like <laughs> for, for our haters who are like, you guys don't do research. You should look things up when you're like, I don't know. I'm trying to do it right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're Googling. Yeah. Uh, well, we just the- an interesting historical fact, though, that people kind mm-hmm. of see maybe that era as a golden age of preppiness, like the kid at the beginning of the kind of most sanctioned Kennedy dynasty, but it was actually not, you know, tried and true preppiness to people who are really specific about what being preppy, or who are purists, basically. Yeah. Mm. He was extremely ahead of his time because of that. He was cosplaying as a preppy wasp. 
Fake it till you make it. Exactly. Uh, It's very Ralph Lauren of him. Mm -hmm. Well, Rip Kennedy. um, But (laughs) going down the timeline, we were kind of like thinking, you know, were people preppy in the 70s? And kind of have some infighting about it. I mean, Sam, you said yes, but I say I say no. And I don't know. We were saying like Annie Hall vibes, like that was kind of a way of being preppy, but it was also like kind of dumpy looking. I don't know. Like it definitely didn't have the same like refinement of the sixties. And also like the sixties were such like a I don't know, coming out of the fifties and that like geopolitical strength and like economic phase in America, like the seventies were just like, why is everything brown? You know? <laughs> it was very brown. I mean, I think like what I always think about, like whenever I think of preppy in my mind, I do always think of the movie Love Story, which is like, what is the line from that? It's like, um, it's like loving someone means never having to say you're sorry or whatever. It's like a really stupid movie, but <laughs> like, um, and there's also like like that movie with Jack Nicholson, Five Easy Pieces, which is just like this guy that rejects his upper class preppy upbringing to become like a construction worker or something. Mm-hmm. But it was like being rejected at that point. I, I do agree. Like yeah. people started to shit on it then, I guess. Yeah. So 70s and preppy time, I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of a void. Um, debatable. But definitely in the 80s. <laughs> the 80s? was a, a really big part of the trajectory of preppy going mainstream and going global. As we t- stated earlier, um, this is when the, it's the official preppy handbook. Yeah. That was published in 1980. And so kind of like, I would say wasp culture hit another big stride in the eighties. Would you guys agree with that? And I, I'm oh, that yeah. because Wait, is that one? American it's like the Ra- Reagan era, yeah. Oh, American, yeah, yeah. There was, there is the what? It, it, there's like a name for that aesthetic, right? Like the '80s um, Reaganites or whatever. Sorry, yeah, Reaganites. The young Reagan. Yeah. I am also just thinking of like you know the whole financial vibe of that time. Like thinking of Wolf of Wall Street. Like that's not like a real historical reference, but I think that did happen in the '80s. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, American Psycho is based in 1987, which actually, um, tying into my next point, is the year that Vivian Westwood released one of her most influential collections ever, which was her Harris Tweed collection. And so this is also when we start to see prep style being kind of like subverted in the way that we think of it today. If you guys don't know, Vivian Westwood is like, an iconic fashion designer and she's best known for her contribution to punk fashion and culture and these days you guys have probably also seen her signature corsets that um people really really are in love with or have been for the past couple years and she's always been a designer that's like reference historical styles but her harris tweed collection which was like fall winter 1987 was like the first time that we saw a designer really riffing on the fashion of the upper class that we're talking about now. But of course, she was doing this in relation to British culture because she's British. There's this really, really great quote that she said about this collection, which is like, My whole idea for this collection was stolen from a little girl I saw on the tube one day. She couldn't have been more than 14. She had a little plaited bun, a Harris tweed jacket, and a bag with a pair of ballet shoes in it. 
she looks so cool and composed standing there um another detail is like if you guys don't know which i don't know why anyone would know this but harris tweed is like a super trad british heritage brand so during this period vivian billy started taking her inspiration from a group known as like tatler girls Tatler is a magazine, a British magazine that's like synonymous with the British upper class. And yeah, so she just started parodying the British upper class and using uh, motifs of what was like the equivalent of preppy style in England and subverting them. And that's really synonymous with her brand. And that really laid the framework for the alt preppy thing we saw throughout the decades and are discussing today. Yes. And... Also, I guess um, there's that whole comeback of Vivian Westwood relating to the anime Nana, where the characters are really into wearing her clothing. I guess that's like the manga mostly, but had like no the... in the anime they wear her clothes too. Oh and really? I yeah, I made like this. Okay, this sounds like I was making a fan cam. I was not making a fan cam. <laughs> I was like collecting footage for like really talking about the same topic, like alt preppy, a while ago, and yeah, all the characters in this anime they wear a lot of like grunge vivian westwood punk clothes and then one of the main characters has the orb necklace which is her signature lexi yeah 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 like the orb lighter necklace mm-hmm. um yeah i always see like people are addicted to posting that it's like a japanese magazine spread with like the items next to the anime drawings it's super cute um but yeah they were definitely all really like dark in that time um and people are obsessed with collecting the pieces that are shown in that. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I just have really basic thoughts on Vivian Westwood, which is why I didn't bring it up, which is like that was like a zeitgeist thing of like being exhausted mm-hmm. by the emergence of neoliberalism. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like so burnt out on Vivian Westwood, like thinking about her just because now it's like you can buy Vivian Westwood fakes on Amazon. It's like, um, I mean, one it- thing I, I will say is like it's interesting to see her almost do the prep thing from Great Britain, like, Mm -hmm. because I guess prep came from, like, the Northeastern schools and the Northeastern legacy comes from, like, this, like, anti-British yet similarly, like, aristocratic legacy. So she's kind of, like, bringing it back to Britain in a way, which is funny. Um, Yeah, and I feel like... Britain in the 80s. Actually, no, I'm not even going to finish that thought. It's like the Thatcher era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys should, I'll leave a, a link to the show, the Harris Tweed show, in the show notes because it's a really beautiful show. And also, one more detail about how this kind of subversion of traditional preppy culture is built into her brand is that her logo, which is an orb with like a Saturn ring on it and a cross on top of it, is actually basically essentially the Harris Tweed logo um, completely and she just like ripped it from them in the 80s. The Harris Tweed logo is based off of several components of like the crown jewels of like the, the British monarchy. So oh, wow. that's okay. really a big part of her philosophy and brand. Um, but you know the same thing was kind of happening in America but within like hip hop culture and this was still like the late 80s early 90s it really all started with a Brooklyn-based subculture centered around Polo Lauren, which was called the Brooklyn Lowlifes. You guys may have heard of them. They still exist today. They were centered in, I think, Brownsville and 
Palm Heights, maybe. Wait, I just realized, is like low lifes, is it like short for polo? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, but so basically, you know, it was just a bunch of kids from Brooklyn. I'm going to read this quote from one of the founders of low life because it's a it kind of gets it helps you understand what what they were doing so new york was really grimy and gritty and hip-hop was still evolving i was a break dancer and so before polo i wore the adidas suits kangles and the sheepskin jackets all that a lot of the bold colors and the styles of those clothes were perfected later on with polo polo was very exclusive and you couldn't get it in the ghettos being from the projects these clothes you had to go on a journey uh editorial note shoplifting expedition to Saks and Bloomingdale's to procure. We all lived hip hop, and so the polo just helped us describe ourselves as hip hop. Polo became our religion. So yeah, this was just like a bunch of like young black kids from Brooklyn that, um, I mean, a lot of them were shoplifting. Some of them weren't, but they built an entire lifestyle around Ralph Berlin Polo, which was a iconic preppy brand at the time. And as that quote says, it was like, you know, almost impossible to get if you were from a neighborhood that wasn't like Waspy, like Upper East Side or something. Yeah, wait, it's I wonder. Funny oh, sorry, I was just wondering whenever when that Ralph Lauren like the bear logo came up because that seems so eighties too. And I, I wonder if they were rocking that. It's the one where there's literally like a bear that's oh, yeah. dressed really preppy on like the t-shirt. Or... I always think of that as like Kanye wore that a lot, right? Like yeah, he had like the sweatshirt. But yeah, yeah, Connie was like an, I mean, there's a really good quote from the New York Times critic, John Karamanica, who credited Low Lives with cementing uh, the broader relationship between hip hop and fashion, saying, today, the genre stars collaborate with high fashion houses or create their own clothing lines. None of that would have been possible without the Low Life blueprint. So I definitely think like, when we were growing up, I remember always like Kanye wearing the pop collar and like you said like the hyper um visible like polo logo and i think yeah that's mm-hmm. definitely in the legacy of what these kids were doing in the 80s and 90s yeah i feel like polo to me like it's really interesting to think that they were selling it in like sacks only and these big department stores because i feel like by the time like i was sentient it already had this association with like street culture and like streetwear that was pretty irreversible I remember there were a lot of memes about how gradually over time the polo like little embroidered emblem like just became bigger and bigger. Like I remember seeing people even when I like lived in Trinidad as a kid like where like the polo player was taking up like half the shirt. And I feel like it was also there were a lot of jokes about like really obvious knockoffs like oh bro your polo has like a guy with two heads on it or like <laughs> that horse looks really fucked up. Um I don't know. It's so hard to think about it actually being super well, high fashion. Well, I think Ralph Lauren like really embraced his like influence on hip hop culture. Like I remember like Mary J. Blige like walked the runway with him in the '90s and stuff. Like he very much was like he was. I don't know how early he was on like capitalizing like the designer or like designers capitalizing on like hip hop artists um, wearing their clothes and using that as sort of like a promotional endeavor um, but I'm sure he was extremely early on that trend mm-hmm. that's actually um, really sweet to hear but yeah. also a note a note there is that Ralph Lauren he brought back preppy style in the late 20th century and so like his contribution via you know how hip-hop culture embraced 
his clubs is also part of his just contribution to the revival of preppy style in general. And he was also super inspired by the strictly American version of prep, mm-hmm. um, which was like the first designer, I think, who was really trying to revive the American legacy versus doing like a pan, you know, American and English or whatever take on it. Mm-hmm. Just like generalized Anglo-Saxon um, aesthetic. Oh, I was just sorry. I got lost because I was looking up a similar brand where like something happened where it became like streetwear or associated with like kind of lower class people is Burberry in the UK. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of like chavs started wearing Burberry in the 90s. There's this infamous moment of this um, actress, Daniela Westbrook, where she's like pushing this like pram. Yeah. And she's wearing like head to toe Burberry with her babies wearing Burberry. I remember it was like a PR crisis for Burberry because they were like, oh, she's like kind of this not trashy actress, but I don't know. They seem to like kind of really hate when that happened. But I think it's sweet to see that Ralph Lauren like a- appreciated this new meaning that his clothing took on and wasn't like hyper gatekeeping. Like, I wonder how long that took, though, for him to get to that place, because I haven't yeah. seen about that. I'm Wait, sure I, I can't believe well, first. well, he was like an outsider himself, right? Like he was. He was, like, Jewish and from the Bronx. So, like, he was not a wasp. He is accused oftentimes of, like, cosplaying as, like, a Northeastern wasp. So I think he would have been more... Dude, it's so crazy how the most iconic people in preppy fashion were often these, like, outsiders or cosplayers. I think when Mm -hmm. you're kind of trying harder to, like, prove something, you end up just making, like, more interesting and subversive attempts at it. I didn't know that about Ralph Lauren. That's really epic. It kind of reminds me, like, the anti-Ralph Lauren is, like, the guy from Abercrombie who was, like, fat people don't wear clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would y'all think Aber- of Abercrombie as something preppy? I actually thought about that the other day. Like, is that yeah, preppy? It, it lost its brand recog- or brand meaning when it went through the same process that, like, Burberry did when that actress wore it, which is that it was a status symbol for a while, but then it lost that. Um, yeah, as it became a status a symbol for people with lesser means, I think. Yeah. yeah, it also is just funny. I guess we can start getting into like the mid two thousands in terms of this timeline, um, because I Wait, feel should like we, should we say that in the nineties, oh, preppy, yeah. preppy really kind of became super understated in the nineties. But this is also when the kind of the subversive, rebellious Catholic schoolgirl thing emerged via movies mm-hmm. like The Craft and Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. And then so there's also, kind of, yeah, like Cher like from Clueless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's not super subversive, but that was, I don't know what I would even call that. Like, it's so. She was kind of, though, because she was like the ditzy genius. Like, she was like the. That was like her archetype, I think. People didn't understand. Yeah. But girls that loved her did were like, you, you have to be like the bimbo smart girl, like mm-hmm. secretly smart bimbo. And but that- even like things like Heather's, that was like, oh, I, yeah. when I think of like subversive school girl, I think of like bloody school girl uniform. Yeah, that was the that- intention. So yeah. As well. mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like in, in Clueless and in Heather's though, like they weren't even wearing a school uniform. They were just wearing like a plaid skirt suit for like fun. So it's almost crossing the boundary into workwear in a way because it's like, you're actually just wearing this matching set that looks really smart. Like it's not like a Chanel mm-hmm. tweed suit or something, but I did really like that because it kind of takes it away from that like fetishized schoolgirl vibe and into something that's a little bit more, I don't know, girl bossy. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it still, still 
very fetishized. But I think it's an interesting contrast because um, Alexi brought this point up to us, which is like, for much of preppy fashion's history, there was a certain androgyny to the women. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of a little bit echoed in like Cher's two-piece girl boss uniform. But I still think the 90s is when we really started to see this like fetishized scroll girl look fully emerge. But it then kind of transformed into like tattoo all the things she said vibe, which was just like over the top in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that we brought up uh, Abercrombie because it seems like a really good example of like moving into the 2000s, like the sexuality and altification of prep that really started to take form. Um, then there's also kind of like the irony that's being brought up with things like Vampire Weekend. Um, and I guess, I don't know when Gossip Girl started. Was it still the 2000s or was that the 2010s? No, it was like really early. I think it must have been like around. 2000s. Six, right? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah, in terms of Gossip Girl, I think their styling is really interesting because they definitely were all wearing school uniforms, but they were so over accessorized, and then like it was buttoned down all the way with like the open jacket, and it was kind of like everyone is wearing this base like thing with these crazy additions to it, or like this revealing aspect to it, where they were like their clothes were constantly flying off, and I think that's very foundational. I completely but i think that i think that um i would the word that came to mind when you're describing that is like gossip girl was like baroque prep like Mm -hmm. there was something about it that was like there was so much contrast all the time there wasn't a lot of pastel colors there was just like so much like dark and light and i don't do you know what i mean yeah i think because they were actually like wearing a white top and like a black skirt most of the time yeah there really weren't a lot of bright colors and i appreciated that because like the style didn't vary that much from, like, the super goth girls, like, Jenny. She was also wearing, like, the same color palette to Blair, but it was just, like, their interpretations of the same garments. I don't know. That's why that show is so interesting in terms of, like, actual styling rather than just, like, pieces that are involved. Um, but I do remember that Nate wears, like, a lot of kind of fuckboyish, like, he would wear, like, a red polo or something <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Let's go back to Vampire Weekend for a second, though, because, like, I mm-hmm. think that was kind of, like that contrasts pretty well with the like baroque prep of gossip girl Mm -hmm. um because i guess vampire weekend was mostly wearing a lot of pastels and lacoste lacoste um they were like in direct line with this idea of like ivy league style that preppy style really emerged from yeah mm-hmm. um but i feel like they were also yeah. drawing like the whole yacht rock vibe of the exactly, 80s yeah. with that like wearing boat shoes uh, yeah the boat shoes the glasses like i feel like they were often wearing more nautical outfits <laughs> i don't know yeah. if i'm remembering that correctly um no it was like martha's vineyard core yeah like- yeah i don't think it was common to see them like all wearing a suit or something so like vampire weekend i mean i guess we know this now but they say that they were doing an ironic take on the preppy ivy league style but um i guess many fans and people across the music industry did not either they didn't get that or they just were like that's stupid like you went to columbia like you're you are where you are so we we dug up some quotes from vampire weekend frontman ezra koenig about how people just really didn't get it so ezra koenig says the whole idea of vampire weekend in the beginning was to be a preppy band But one thing I didn't realize was that for me, preppiness was funny and weird, a bit of a costume. 
something that I liked on an aesthetic level but half hated. Uh, But all that stuff was always built into the music, the self-critique, the insider-outsider stuff. It was always part of the music. But there were those who willfully misunderstood it. We set ourselves up so well to be a type of villain for our uncharitable listeners. If I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I buy that that it was totally – I think he retroactively justified it. I think it's okay for him to be preppy. Or no, maybe – actually, no. I think like – He was a very ironic guy since the beginning, though, so I do – yeah. I think you have to consider like what the indie music scene was like at that point. Like they probably, if there was probably like a really clear definition between hipsters and like preppy people and they were trying to infiltrate this space of music that was, I don't know, but their music was also so referential to that style too. It's not like there was a contrast between like their music and their appearance. And it's also like, bro, like you can't say that you're like going and getting an Ivy League education, like ironically like for the bit (laughs) like i'm just like all of you got into columbia like let's start there um i feel like i mean yeah as for canine it's always like my dad grew up in the projects and like that kind of stuff which Mm -hmm. like (laughs) i don't know what that is but i mean i think that it's clear you know there's some real mystique around the preppiness like there's they were clearly super fascinated with the preppy culture at Columbia because it's so it's has this huge legacy that goes back like hundreds of years you know they're one of their album covers the one with the chandelier do you guys know mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. What, what album is that self-titled I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that one's self-titled. no it's Contra. not no Contra's one was a girl Con- on it yeah okay well so Vampire Weekend self-titled we think you know that that chandelier is inside of the uh Sane's building which is like this you know ultra rich secret quote secret society at columbia that the only way you can get into it i mean it used to be like this like a couple years ago it was like you had to buy a super expensive plane ticket somewhere and then you had to like burn it like you couldn't use it um <gasps> yeah so That's there so is grim. this like yeah there's this real glamour to you know the older a, a preppy lineage gets i think the more yeah. mystique it has and i think that is Probably why kids today are still yeah fascinated by it. I think it's like, yeah, I guess going off of the idea of like the most successful prep stars being like people that came into it from the outside, you just have like a different appreciation or curiosity, I guess, because mm-hmm. I know so many people that have so many like genuinely cool, like upper class, like preppy lifestyles and they're like always the ones that are like trying to look homeless. So <laughs> um. that's true. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really have an appreciation from it if it's, like, what you're surrounded by your whole life. Wait, okay, so uh, 2000s is when, I guess it starts in the 90s, but I would really love to talk about this. Um, I think the, one of the reasons why preppy style is so bastardized today is because most kids in Gen Z, their only exposure to preppy style is through, like, pieces of fictionalized media like Gossip Girl or Clueless or just, like, these iconic outfits that were like replications of preppy style and like seeing things on Pinterest, seeing things on TikTok. So I feel like now it's kind of, this probably isn't the only reason why this has happened, but it's like so divorced from all of these social codes and, you know, hidden meanings that preppy style used to kind of be so based on. Like, I feel like preppy style, like every color had like a symbolism because it was always connected to like an institution, like a sailing club or the like prep school you went to the college you went to or something like that I do think like 
what's really interesting about that, it, it's true. It's like the fact that they're consuming all these like digital images, like always ties back in my own head to like the whole like McLuhan mythology of like, or like that digital media, it like encourages like thinking mythologically and not literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of like mythologies are like pre-narrative picture stories of the unconscious. And I think that's very much, they're all just like this like complicated web with like very little logical meaning to them. And I think that's why Gen Z with like everything, mm-hmm. like when I Google, when I like searched on the TikTok preppy tag, Gen Z would like hashtag preppy videos with like the like pink cowboy like princess hat <laughs> that like girls wear. Yeah. And I was like, how is this preppy? Like it made no sense. Um, but it made sense to them. Yeah. Because it was everywhere. For sure. There's this really great uh Baudrillard quote that really serves on this idea. He wrote about fashion um a bit, and it's uh under the sign of fashion, all cultures play like simulacra and total promiscuity. <laughs> um so yeah, that's where we see I think what Sam is trying to talk about, like the the sign and the signifier being completely not completely separated but there's just so much between the two now yeah Yeah, it's like fragmented kind of like yeah i think one of the funniest things is that you know these things like monograms logos and crests were so uh crucial to preppy style because they actually had meaning and then like now all these fast fashion brands are scrambling to make like graphics of like a fake tennis club or like a giant letter that doesn't actually stand for anything and also like patterns used to have a lot of meaning too like people stripe ties and plaids but I think one thing that's also really interesting when you're like getting your education through digital images is that you lose like a respect for quality like I feel like even when preppy people were wearing these like kind of simple outfits that like weren't emblazoned with anything like you were wearing like a really nice cashmere sweater like tweed or wool or like these materials that were nice but now I see these videos on TikTok where people are like Amazon like preppy basics and it's like this really clap synthetic sweater and I'm like you guys are actually like wearing a costume I guess yeah it's like a cosplay vibe um and there's so many like ready-made preppy outfits that exist and like you know that like every girl saw this on Pinterest and was like I can put this together and it's very uncanny to me. I'm not even like mad because I'm not like I have any stake in preppiness and like it's upholding of quality or like meaning, but it is interesting to observe. Yeah, I mean, it's like every, but it's not just preppiness that's like subjected to, it's like everything is cheap quality. There's no tailoring because you're shopping online. So mm-hmm. you don't even know how it fits your body. Like the fabric is going to be shitty. Like you don't even know if like what you're gonna get what you saw in the picture yeah and it's especially yeah I guess it is just especially ironic when it's like a style that's so specifically based on class and quality yeah yeah well even Harris tweed is like a specific type of tweed that's super super well made and it's only made by these Scottish islanders on this one specific island and like you know what I mean like it's like these Mm -hmm. these fabrics that have you know like hundreds of years of refining and specific practice that goes into it and that was part of mm-hmm. the allure of preppy yeah um, and tartan yeah. tartan plaid also has like the same thing um yeah from what i recall also yeah i guess one thing i'm also interested in talking about is like it, with this comeback of preppy fashion maybe this is where we can address like the brandy melville version of preppiness there's this kind of infinite feedback loop between alternative and preppy 
like prep has returned in this way that is kind of 90s and like adjacent to grunge but I feel like at that time that was like grunge kids way of like actually undermining the preppy kids that went to their school so it's really interesting to think like what preppiness means to the teenagers that are wearing it today like if it has any meaning at all like who do they think that they're yeah they're not undermining like there's no one to undermine anymore with like symbols because symbols don't really have any like meaning I think Mm -hmm. uh I think people undermine each other ideologically and like morally probably there's no no there's like the tribalistic like fighting between people is like so arbitrary and there's no like uniform subculture anymore I think or like a specific ideology I don't know if that makes sense no for sure I have a question for you guys yeah um so I think that you know, Alexi just said with the Brandy Melville prep, I think the preppy look first started coming in when we saw Y2K making a huge comeback, just because there is this girly iteration, hyper girly iteration of preppy style that was big at that time. And we see that in movies like Mean Girls, even like Legally Blonde and stuff like that. And, you know, Paris Hilton wore a lot of like short um, pleated like pink skirts and stuff. But like, what I've been seeing recently is these styles floating closer and closer to straight up trad. Especially specifically like what I'm seeing is a lot of teenagers posting TikTok inspiration videos like old money. And I think that is so interesting following this year in which a lot of people got their like ideological education from things like Eat the Rich. And mm-hmm. it's like the same exact kids who were posting like Eat the Rich, like all these different um directives last summer have it seems you know almost on a full 180 um Mm -hmm. yeah uh, romanticizing like you know old money i mean i think like class signifiers have really changed now um like they are like the ella emhoff thing like her whole aesthetic is a class signifier and her ideology is a class signifier you know the upper classes they don't have like a they all like Alexi said like they all are like trying to look homeless and like try to seem charitable um yeah it's like the guilt like if you're like a rich person yeah. with guilt, you really like you're probably too burdened by that to dress preppy yeah um, exactly yeah because then people would see you for what you really are but I'm totally yeah. interested in since you mentioned Ella Emhoff I am really fascinated by the relationship between preppy style and gender roles because in the original preppy handbook there are these illustrations of like women's fashion that are just so ugly. Like they're so bad. Like women have short hair their whole lives. Like these really, you know, like really spiky <laughs> haircuts. Guys, like yeah, like coming out. Um, it's because well, like, like Princess Diana. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Princess Diana. Yeah. Like I, when I look at Princess Diana, I'm like, oh my god, like dyke core. But like that Very was much. not at all what people thought of her at the time. Yeah, and it's, like, it's because looking at these illustrations in this preppy handbook, it's because, like, these girls were going to women's colleges and, like, playing field hockey or something, so they had really thick ankles. Like, that's something that they point out about women, like, even (laughs) after they graduate, they have, like, cankles. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And also, even on the flip side, like, with men's fashion, one reason why I've always been drawn to preppy fashion is because it's like one of the few subcultures where men's fashion is just as highly considered and judged as women's fashion so 
I don't know. It's so interesting because I think there's a lot of potential for like preppiness to be queer. <laughs> Her ears are pouring it up. Um, and I think Biz, you've talked about this with your dark academia thing, but yeah, the fact that like the Ella Emhoff vibe of like being like non-binary and like super colorful is like now the upper class gender standard when it's like you guys actually were getting somewhere with that. Like you were so conservative with preppy fashion that like girls didn't mm-hmm. wear makeup and they were like, yeah, yeah. That's- also in the 80s, women were entering the workplace and like really desired to be taken seriously. Like that's something that's really evident in that book as well. So mm-hmm. it's like you make the move from like athleisure, which isn't like the sexy like leggings athleisure of today. But like, I don't know, it's really just like some really horrendous outfits Um, that I think if the preppy Y2K girls of TikTok saw, they would be like so appalled. It's like they went from that to wearing like this really ugly business casual wear and then like in their like 50s started wearing like shift dresses like Lily and things like that. Um, Maybe that's why there is like a return of preppy fashion, but both the athleisure and the androgyny um, Mm -hmm. because I think like obviously, I mean, I mentioned this with y'all, but like there is like a new archetype of like male manipulator I guess which is like the boy waif you know what I mean like the male waif he has like rosy cheeks and he's like like 110 pounds and six foot tall or something you know pale skin dark Um, hair I mean like Ezra Koenig was kind of getting at it in his day like too stocky he's too stocky yeah yeah. I saw him in real life um I met Ezra Koenig he's so skinny he's so skinny it it threw me off yeah like it was not as attractive as I thought it would be yeah, you know, it. he's very, like, he's like a string bean with, like, yeah, very round face. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, Timothy Chalamet would, he's not, like, preppy by any means. He kind of has, like, a weird, like, Tyler the Creator vibe going on. But <laughs> point, though, point, though, is that Timothy Chalamet is completely unremovable from his breakout role in Call Me By Your Name, and that was extremely 80s prep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Death I in Venice. That, yeah, that kind of lives you know um it's always gonna be associated yeah his polo shirt like uh mm-hmm. what's that the melly martinez song play date like that edit of him on tiktok where he's like dancing in slow motion maybe yeah, i'm he moves. Yeah, he moves like a river otter <laughs> he was like an otter that was like one of my favorite things that i learned from like being friends with the gate kids is like okay twink and like bear and stuff like okay whatever that's like all good and fun but whenever i learned about otter i was like you guys are onto something with that like some people really <laughs> are like otters um but you're definitely yeah this whole thing of like masculine women and feminine men are inherently very preppy mm-hmm. and so we're kind of like low-key unflattering clothes like I guess mm-hmm. modesty, like the skirts were kind of long, the pants were too short, these boxy dresses, like no waist definition. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Biz, was it you who said that you think that has something to do with like the ideal like wasp body shape? Yeah, I think that the ideal wasp body type has always either been athletic or wayfish. Um, it may have changed now, but I think it's still around there. But I mean, when we look at you know, the waspiest woman on my mind is always going to be Carolyn Bissett Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, she wore a lot of kind of unflattering clothes. Like she would wear, you know, a long skirt. Well, she wasn't super, super preppy, but um, she would wear like a long skirt with like tall boots. And that doesn't look good on like a lot of body types. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that 
I feel like there's something there where it's like women that are so conventionally attractive. It's kind of like like the Gwyneth Paltrow thing where women that are so conventionally attractive, they don't have to wear makeup and it's like a source of pride for them. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like the boy brow marketing that Glossier uses kind of like reminds me of that in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. It's kind of like, like... I can make my face more boyish and I'm still going to be... Like prettier than you, or it's like a kind of pride yeah. in your genetics, probably too, mm-hmm. because it's like yeah, you really don't have to like try so like who do you have to impress? Like people already know that you are what you say you are. I don't know. Yeah, you're a Brahmin. Yeah, you're already yeah. a Brahmin. Um, and yeah, no, for sure, that definitely makes sense. Like, I think it's when you have like that the confidence of a true preppy person is like, yeah, I don't have to roll up like the waistline on my school uniform. Mm-hmm. I thought of another thing there is that I remember when Lily Pulitzer died, who if you guys don't know who that is, she's a very famous designer for her contributions to like the preppy archetype. She makes these um, dresses and like women's clothes that are like very brightly patterned and have like very unique patterns. You guys can look at them and you'll get like a very good sense of what she does. But I remember when she died in her obituary, someone wrote like Lily Pulitzer did a very interesting thing where she designed clothes for people that were so rich they didn't have to like worry about what people thought about how they were dressed, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, is obviously kind of a precursor to like the Ella Imhoff archetype, but in a very different way. Yeah, wait, this mm-hmm. is such a good gateway for us to talk about like the brand of flamboyant preppiness that is now coming back in like normie girls today. And also, I think yeah. someone else mentioned on this document. Um, the finance bro aesthetic that's coming back oh yeah but, yeah i'm very interested in this like super highly saturated form of preppiness that's all based on these like niche fabric designs like these bright florals like love shock fancy is a really good example even though it's like a little bit softer and like more romantic and like those Vera, Vera bradley yeah Vera like, bradley. what is that it's like with a p that pattern paisley yeah paisley, paisley yeah paisley like- Lily Plitzer is very recognizable in those like kind of paintbrushy designs that often have like sailboats or these really like flamboyant florals. And yeah, I remember the like seeing boys at my school wearing stuff like that. I was like, you guys are so fucking gay. But it was the kind of that thing where it's like, you're so not like worried about what people have to think of you. Um, So it's kind of more about the like rather than the cuts of garments like that really loud ass pattern and it's like such a pinterest girl aesthetic too um and i feel like now there's a tension between you know the more minimalist basic side of preppy that's like you know catholic school vibes versus this like i don't know i feel like it's associated with like jewish american princesses this um mm-hmm. brighter form it's also like southern oh yeah southerness i that's what i really want to get into is like yeah. there there's also the whole preppy t-shirt economy which i think all of us southern girls are very familiar with um Mm -hmm. and how you know in the south like preppiness really doesn't have the same association to class as it does in the north which is something i didn't really realize um so intensely until moving up here but it's like really if you want to be perceived as preppy in the south you just need to buy like a t-shirt that's like a that's like a segue into like the class hierarchy of preppy brands um like sort of like like guy harvey and like i guess uh, you know preppy obviously has always been defined by like athletic like leisure sportswear and 
there's like the working class preppy of the South, which is like Gaia Harvey and Salt Life, which is like the leisure sports of the working class are like hunting and fishing. And that's what those brands are for. Um, But it's, I feel like with that, it's also like so much less nuanced because whenever like the introduction of preppy clothing that like had to do with these specialized hobbies, like riding pants or boat shoes, I feel like those actually like had utility to the activity that they were performing. But it's like literally in the South, like preppy guys will just wear like a shirt with a giant fish on it. Yeah. It's so funny. The like leisurely utility thing is interesting because going back to Lily Pulitzer as a designer, you know, she was a, I believe, a pretty wealthy woman and she was in Palm Beach at some point when she had children living her life. And, you know, Palm Beach is a, I mean, it still is, but especially back then was like a breeding ground for wasps and stuff. And she had like some kind of like, I don't know, side of the road, like juice stand. (laughs) And she Uh. was like, I made these dresses out of my some old curtain fabric that I had to disguise the stains from like the juice I was making in Palm Beach at my juice stand. Um, so there is like an interesting relationship between like, oh, I need this for my like activities, mm. but they're like the most like leisurely activities you could ever imagine. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. It's very splashy. Well, like, I feel like I would describe her prints as just like splashy overall. Like you really that adds up. They're like, inspired by juice. They're inspired by citrus fruits. Oh. Yeah. I know um, a lot about this. Uh, Lily yeah, Pulitzer specifically because it was big when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, you're like the premier Lily Pulitzer historian. I'm like impressed. <laughs> I, I actually wore a lot of Lily Pulitzer when I was growing up. Um, I can give you dispatches from the inside of the store. You know, <gasps> oh, wow. Me- memories from that. I remember yeah, one yeah. thing that was so big when I was, I think I was probably still in high school, was like whenever Lily Pulitzer announced a collaboration with Target, like girls were so up in arms about that. I was like, wait, didn't realize it was like that much better than like clothes from Target. But I remember BuzzFeed did like a compilation of like girls that are way too mad about um like the Lily Pulitzer Target collection. There were two girls from my school on it. <gasps> yeah. yeah, I mean, Lily Pulitzer was really expensive, though. Lily Pulitzer was really expensive. Really? So I guess that's, like, part of it. I think it's, like, okay, so there's, like, a north-south thing. There's also, like, a class thing. But as I'm realizing, it's also, like, a proximity to the coast thing because I feel like this aesthetic is really big in, like, southern Florida and, like, Long Island. So it's kind of, like, you guys are having more fun than the people who are, like, stuck at some private women's college um, and being forced to, like, take school super seriously. I don't know. Yeah. No, that was, like, um, I, I, don't, I didn't see a lot of Lily Pulitzer growing up. I saw a lot of Vera Bradley, but it was, like, a lot of, like, paisley, like, bizarre. I don't even know what color palette it is. It's, like, pop like pink, purple, blue, orange. It's a lot like, of like jewel Every color tone. is the highest saturation. Jewel tone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also what y'all were talking about, like the leisure wear uh, and like the extreme like utility of like preppy clothes. That's like the big t-shirt Nike shorts girl. Like it's just their leisure clothes. Like they very much are dressed to lay around all day long and then like go like you know they have their sperries they could go to the beach they could go to class they could do anything in that yeah this Um, is like approaching visco girl territory for sure yeah yeah um another interesting point about like kind of like the sorority girls who live in a giant t-shirt and nike shorts (laughs) lampshading i remember when i learned that turn i was so happy well it's like okay so my 
you know, I have a, I know a lot of people that went to Clemson or like spent a lot of time there in high school. That's a classic Southern school. And, you know, like 10 years ago, all of the sorority girls would wear Lily Pulitzer or so they'd wear something that was, you know, classically preppy. And when I was in high school, they started like, you know, the most forward thinking of the preppy girls started wearing like free people all the time. And they oh, yeah. Wearing, like, they started wearing crop tops. And now they're like, they're always in the fucking pink cowboy hat at all hours of the day. Yeah. Um, so that is a very interesting twisty turn. Yeah, it's like you could. All people are getting more preppy. Preppy people are getting more alt, and I feel like preppy people are doing it in this way that, yeah, definitely got like started through boho vibes and like Urban Outfitters. Like I know Urban Outfitters is not necessarily the zeitgeist anywhere, but I remember when I went to the Urban Outfitters in Charleston, I was like, it's literally preppy as fuck in here. Like they have their, yeah. um, they have their inventory catered towards like preppy girls i don't know yeah well i was like also the i like the free people reference because i forgot about anthropology until <gasps> just now yeah that was like very like you could literally track like the traje- trajectory of southern prep with like taylor swift's like fashion career because she literally yeah. did like the um i don't know what she's doing now but yeah. here's um it is really i miss that old style of prep though that i actually thought was really hideous and i mean like i do still think it's hideous but you know like the chevron shift dress and like the bubble necklace and then like jack rogers it was so bad but it's also that was like a tight frame of time yeah it really is so memorable for everyone and they were there were a lot of like fashion Mm -hmm. blogger girls who would like devotedly post like that like they had their own like Mm -hmm. sphere of influencers which is so interesting because like as we talked about last week with Meg, like there was also this blogosphere that was of like rising alternative and like vintage fashion. Um, but I do remember I was like really obsessed with stalking these like preppy Tumblr blogs because I was like, you guys actually put like a lot of thought into this stuff. Like you're styling nice. your outfits, like you're going really crazy with it. But also that style is like in traditional preppy fashion, very tied to professionalism. Like they weren't really wearing a lot of makeup and they, I don't know, it was like always girls that were low-key really involved in like student government. And now they own small businesses. Yeah, like future business leaders of America. Um, yeah. So I miss that brand of girl boss for sure. They're still around. They're wearing like flat brim hats and like. Mm, yeah. And like have like. Christian girl autumn girl. Those, those girls are always yeah. so nice. They're so yeah. nice. Oh, I love those girls. They're like, they always will talk to you for out. Like, I don't know. They're just the sweetest people in the world. Whenever I, I love Christian to, girls. Yeah. Whenever I used to do calligraphy, I would always like do all of their student council posters or like cards for them what was and your, what was your rate how much did my you rate I've, i literally have no idea like i can't remember but it was probably like way too little because they would buy me chick-fil-a or something yeah but like <laughs> i would really like currency i know i would do things for like 20 dollars. like i really didn't care i was yeah. like i have nothing to do it's like either do calligraphy for these christian girls or like work on my like attempts at getting into rookie that i like never submitted <laughs> or work on my crazy diary um you know what I used to – I used to get paid to braid girls' hair creatively Ooh. for, like, prom and stuff. That was, like, my introduction to, like, preppy girls. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there was, like, the crazy braids that you would do, and they'd be, like – you'd, like, puff them out and shit. Yeah, fishtail braiding. Wait, I so think did you guys – Good at that. Did you guys grow up preppy? Oh, hell no. No. Not at all. My yeah. Sister- <laughs> oh, my God. I, I did. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, maybe our listeners might not know this, but I'm not white. So I always was just like, I didn't like the vibes of like the girls in our town, like the very few girls yeah. that weren't white. Like they aspired to being preppy so hard. And I also had curly hair growing up. So I was like, 
if I do this, I'd really have to commit and it would just like not be a, a good thing. But my sister was like super popular and was really preppy. I remember she had monogrammed hunter boots. She had this monogrammed brain jacket that was really awesome. And I'm like, you know, I was always like really making fun of her for that. But now I'm like, wait, that's cute. But also the thing about her that like her initials really spell her name. So her name's Mia. What? And then like her initials are M-I-A. Uh, yeah. Okay. That is the dream come true for monogram. I know. She was like literally born for a monogram. I know. She was getting everything monogrammed. And I was like, my monogram like doesn't really look as pretty. But now I think I should lean into it. I don't know. Monograms yeah. are definitely coming back. There's this like Vaquera show from a few years ago where they had like these giant seersucker dresses with huge monograms on them. Like the old curly Q. Oh, I love it. Yeah. We forgot to mention that seersucker is a big part of. Preference. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. That is seersucker... very much dandyish side of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember guys in my school wearing seersucker pants. Also, yeah, another super gay thing about like men's preppy fashion is like chubbies, those ultra short shorts. Oh my god, like the pastel, like multicolor the ones. The Nantucket oh red, yeah. Yes, oh my god, dude. Ugh. I remember my and they would wear like... Yeah, my crush would always wear those and he'd be like manspreading like in this like desk chair and I'd be like, why am I literally like about to see your dick right now? Like, they were that was so it. Short, yeah. I have like a theory. I have a theory about why male preppy style is so homoerotic that maybe I should have said earlier but it emerged from these Ivy League schools in the Northeast that were at the time totally male which is obviously gay and (laughs) I also think that when men are alone together and they have a lot of money or a lot of resources or just like they were doing a lot of activities together too like whenever yeah my ex would talk about like his sailing vibe at Cornell <laughs> like you guys are like dandyism like comes from men being in alone together yeah it no it does that. you're you're totally right that's brilliant um I just, like that is like I can see like boys wrestling and like having little sleepover parties like in their dorm rooms and being stuff, gay you know? is literally trad as fuck like especially it's when you so think about like, Greek life I mean like the whole literally. idea of fraternity is like another point you guys love each other yeah um, Princeton, for the listeners that don't know, is uh, one of the Ivy League schools in the U.S. And um, it was most synonymous with like popularizing and developing this Ivy League style. And it's because it was like the most homogenous. Like it was eighty-five percent white um, Protestant men, and like just had like a very specific homogenous social environment. And so I'm literally like, they, and they they were the people that really developed this like initial Ivy League style. So okay. I'm like. Wait, there's like two things that I want to say about that. First is like I think there's something essential to homoeroticism where you're always going to want to fuck yourself and people that look like you. And second, I think obviously preppy style comes from like – I mean school uniforms come from like the desire of like institutions to get like their students to conform to the institutional standard. And it was like self-imposed by like preppy universities. Like they all wanted to create – like close their ranks and like – um, sorry, my candle fell. Hold on. <laughs> Sam's whole like an apartment burned down. <laughs> Wait, that, like, that was like scared you. That scared you. Because yeah. it just like fell. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it makes sense. Uh, like hom- homogeneity. Wait. Uh, yeah. No, homogeneity is in like, every way. Yeah, it yeah. creates a very horny vibe for sure. And I think yeah, I don't know something about this idea of like preppy sexuality is so interested in me. Where like boys and girls are so separate, and then like on the few interactions they get like males are like peacocking these gay ass clothes and the girls are like in their like sweaty girl rugby uniforms just like you guys are doing the most 
And that's why yeah. Japanese no, culture is so like, I don't know, it's so expressive. Um, no, and that's what I was going to say that it, before my candle fell is that I think like the school uniform, like homogenous thing, um, it gives off this like like erotic discipline thing that I think also just like really makes the environment like sexy. I don't know why, yeah. like in a way, I don't know. Is that <laughs> an anecdote related to um, what we may call, um, you know, gender bending of some sort with the preppy uh, <laughs> genders, which is I one of someone I know growing up lesbian wasn't out of the time. This was like in 2005, um, but she was like a teenager, you know, like 18 years old or something. She was super, super preppy, like from this, like the preppiest place in South Carolina. And she was being match made with this um, gay boy. Dude, this is, named- I know so many couples like this in the South and it's like. Wait, but listen, listen, his name is McGregor. And like her name, I'm not going to say her name because she's someone that I know, but um, she has like a double name, you know, that's very Southern, very preppy to have a double name. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is people know it's like when you have a, two names combined. It's often like Mary Grace or like. No, oh, I have one my, of those. My name's. <laughs> cut that out, but that's my southern. Yeah, that's my southern name that my dad yells at me in. But like <laughs> the the hormones like get jacked up. I swear to God, and like everyone's parents ship them so hard. They were like to this girl. They were like, "You have to marry him. Like he's perfect for you." Like it was very bizarre. Lavender marriage, yeah. Oh, is that what that's called? I love that. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of like preppy lesbians in the South. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very easy for lesbians to identify with like being preppy and like being masculine in a way that is like fuckboy. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like the they're the preppy lesbians are like they dress like the masculine, like pastel color block, mm-hmm. like Salmon the shorts. Yeah, yeah. The shorts for sure. I had a crush like that in high school, like a a preppy lesbian that dressed like that. Oh my god! And like chino, like colorful chinos. One and thing like, I always loved about them is like not only did they not have short hair, but they literally had the longest, straightest hair ever. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, you guys are really holding on to that as like your backup in case like any of your family is like are you sure you're not gay you're like look how long my hair is <laughs> no that's good yeah um, should i say my anecdote to- oh, oh my, my, my fighting my, yeah this my school fight um so i went to this like magnet school that was in the middle of nowhere it was like actually in a cornfield in chapin south carolina which is like very white area um, oh my god, I didn't know you went to that one. Yeah, uh, they had like a really good program for like agricultural science and then they also had one for like entrepreneurship. And we had this one spirit week day, like the day before homecoming or something that was themed like country versus country club. And it was really funny because it exacerbated all of these tensions between like the white kids at our school who were like country and the white kids who were super preppy. And that day, like, one group dressed up as the other and they were just like being super obnoxious and like doing parodies of each other all day and like these fights broke out and it was just really awesome um (laughs) um yeah but in terms of that i feel like the tension between like those two forms of whiteness is also very homoerotic like there's something kind of broke back mountainy about it there's something kind of like i don't know great gatsby is like an iconic queer preppy (laughs) vibe as well Yeah. yeah No, that's that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. 
Um, wait, are we saying, should we take it back to, like, a global vibe? I mean, like, outside of the South, like, what other points do we have to make that are... Oh, yeah. Outside of the South. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, the, the, like, melding of, like, the Asian school Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say, too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's, um, it's getting a little confused, like, the U.S., like, or I guess it's also, like, a British kind of, like, trad Catholic school vibe with, like, the school uniforms that are in use in Asia, because a lot of anime and manga is like set in high school for whatever reason. Actually, there is a reason behind that, but I think the image of that. What is it? I think it's because like Japanese like young people like their work life instantly becomes like super stressful, and so they find a lot of escapism in mm-hmm. like looking back on the time of youth when they had freedom because like a lot of them didn't have freedom because they were like going through these really intense college entrance exams. So I think people are like often really attached to that time um, as they're, like, having really hard work lives. <laughs> um, and, like, the romance of it all, too. That's cool. And, like, being with people who are, like, going through it with you, I think, was really attractive. Um, but, yeah, that's also, it's, like, not even, I think that's a reason why Preppy Style is so um, bastardized today is because, like, not only are people, like, looking at just, like, pictures of people on Pinterest wearing these outfits, but they're aspiring to, like, literal animated images and I think more and more people are, like, attracted to anime characters and, like, attracted to fictional entities. And the way that that's expressed in fashion is so interesting because it's, like, okay, like, anime schoolgirl look, but, like, the proportions of an anime character are so, like, hard to find in the real world that it's, like, you're seeing this kind of vibe transposed onto real people and it's, like, a little uncanny. Like, to see someone yeah. wear that whole cosplay is just, like, weird. I really want to do, like, a full episode on this because um, I think all of us have, like, a lot of thoughts yeah. on this. But I do think, like, I'm not even going to get into it because I, there's so many reasons, I think, for the attraction to cartoon characters. But Yeah, I just read about this for my thesis, too. I think, Biz, we need to link and build. We can we can expand on this for sure. No, no, I was just saying I wrote an essay about this and it's coming out this week. <gasps> so if you, guys, if you guys are listening to this, I wrote an essay for the swiss arts council about this i don't know maybe it's good i don't know shout out to the swiss government i know home girl <laughs> yeah i agree what do i have to say about that no i just say i agree it's very um frankenstein like and i think it's very disorienting mm-hmm. for youth to layer so Frank. many transhuman it's transhuman wait i have another thought about the global expansion of like preppy style and like the school uniform vibe one thing that people never talk about is like okay the only places that have school uniforms are not just like asia and like the u.s and like europe it's also <laughs> like i wore a school uniform when i was a kid because i went to catholic school in trinidad and it's like any place that has like colonial influence like they're wearing school uniforms like they wear school uniforms in africa and like south america in australia and new zealand like school uniforms are also a big thing but it's like why do we never see like a romanticized version of that it's like i guess because just like yeah i don't know like something about colonial subjects like being educated i wonder if we're ever gonna see that like get aestheticized like i can't imagine that would ever happen but um so actually, I don't know what this is in other countries. I know this does happen in other countries, but in Mexico, the schools that are private and have school uniforms are traditionally poor working class and mm-hmm. the public schools are the upper class schools. So it's like a complete reversal in preppy fashion is it's still a trend in Mexico. I know with like upper class people, but 
the school uniform specifically is like meant to like instill discipline from like at risk kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, I don't think it's like the it wouldn't align like ideologically with that aesthetic. I, I would say. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's that's so interesting because there's also been that in the US too, like a lot of like inner city schools will start imposing school uniforms to like try to like lessen social discord or something. So seeing it like being used as this like disciplinary tool versus like the exclusivity and like status that it holds in like higher class context is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I once did a deep dive into this because I had to tell everyone on TikTok where school uniforms came from. It turns out they first came from, like, uh, you know, religious schools, because all schools were religious, like, in the mid- Middle Ages and earlier and beyond. But the first, like, modern school uniforms, yeah, were for a charity school in England. Wait, so orphan like, vibes are so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is... It, it really comes back to the enduring elegance of the orphan. Yeah, I think, okay, we need to... <laughs> Okay, institutional prep is over. Institutionalized prep, where it's like you are against your will. <laughs> You're an orphan. I mean, like, look at the Queen's Gambit. Whenever she, Anya Taylor Joy oh. is wearing, like, she has that really bad page boy haircut and she's a really lanky, creepy yeah, orphan. She, Alexi sent me a TikTok earlier where she was <laughs> doing a little dance with Ivy Getty, who's a strange heiress of the Getty family today and like Anna Taylor Joy literally has orphan proportions like she's like so beautiful like she's perfect but she is like that type of waif like she really Mm -hmm. is yeah wait why are people wearing pinafores that's also like it's like you guys are obsessed with like the schoolgirl separates but unless you wear like a long pinafore that's like truly ugly like that's what my school uniform used to be like it was this like red suspender skirt pinafore over like a white shirt Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that was like a there is a Catholic school in my town that it only the preschool kids wore that. Yeah, um, I guess I was super young. I was like, this is when I was still like six. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think guys, I declare that global South preppy, we need to develop that idea. Um, <laughs> based on I don't know, it's like, why are only this isn't even like a question. It's not even a good question. Like, why is preppy fashion coming from like you know um first world countries but no i mean i guess uh there is like an inseparable tie between i mean preppy fashion and anglo-saxon energy which is i think the og colonial energy you know there's like i guess i don't know if this would be considered preppy but it's like adjacent like the alexander mcqueen rape of scotland thing and like there's just always like geopolitical tension when it comes to preppy fashion as well no yeah because i mean all tartans and uh tweed, a lot of tweeds and argyles were ripped from like gaelic scottish cultures by the british upper class during like the victorian and edwardian period so yeah um, 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 um so what else oh our predictions for preppy fashion i guess i already got mine. oh yeah i already got mine in i feel like i don't know if this is cancelable i'm like guys like i Loki did go to Catholic school in the third world. Um, so I declare that that is the vibe now. Like, stop using all of these pictures of, like, really nice schools and, like, girls in school uniforms running up marble staircases and start talking about the girls who are kicking around a bag of trash in a dusty soccer field. <laughs> Let's get into that. Um, I think that that's a good, that's a good vibe for that. Um, maybe a prediction. I, I'm going to predict... 
you know, because of the Wall Street bets wave. And also just men are so so bored and so online. They're getting really into stocks. Um, so I think finance bro, American psycho aesthetic is going to come back big time with men. Hopefully they start showering um, and wearing things that are well tailored oh, instead of baggy yeah. shirts. Yeah, I feel like I could deal with some more of that like male psychopathy vibe. Like I feel like it's really not in society anymore. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say men are being fashionable in this way that's like really bothering me. Like the whole thing of like mullet mustache combo, like the seventies porn stash vibes. I'm like, you guys go a little bit like past y'all that. Y'all don't have the bone structure. Like, yeah, seriously. Y'all don't have the bone structure. Y'all know I controversially against the opinions of the podcast. I love a mustache, so you could do it for me, but not for Biz and Alexi. I don't know if you're wearing if you're wearing a mustache and you have yeah, if you're wearing a mustache and you have like. I don't know, did people in the 80s have mustaches even? Like, I feel like they were always, like, clean-shaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Well, on Sam's point, I bought someone I was dating, like, in 2018, the classic finance bro, like, Brooks Brothers shirt, which is, like, light blue Oxford with a white collar. Mm. I, like, th- that look, and I don't mean this in the way that everyone online uses it, like, it's very fascist in a way, but it's not. But it is. Like, there's something <laughs> about the specific white collar with, like, the blue, I don't know. You know what I'm thinking no, of? I'm literally thinking tailoring. I'm thinking of the gif that was super big on Tumblr of, like, the guy from the neck down, and he's like, you, here, now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my god, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's yes. like wearing like a very like businessy outfit, and he like has a belt but or something. I guess, on the, I I guess yeah. the reason I think that is because um, Patrick Bateman wore it a lot in American Psycho, that exact shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe fascism is not the word I was looking for, but there is a severe severity that I think comes from that style that I think is should be explored by men more often. Yeah. Uh, my, yeah. My prediction is I think that the old money country club vibe is going to continue to proliferate and i also think that lily pulitzer is going to make a controversial comeback in full force um and you know people have really that was like lily pulitzer was emblematic of people's hatred of preppiness because it is ugly you know in a lot of ways it's so busy and overwhelming um but so many gen z targeted brands like for example frankie's bikinis which is like a very popular trendy like bikini company they do a lot of lily blitzer inspired prints and i just think vintage lily is gonna make a staggering comeback it's a juicy it's yeah it kind of makes sense like people make juice all the time now wait even related to that when you said juicy i was like people didn't think Juicy Couture was going to make a comeback because it also was emblematic of that, like, Y2K trash look, you know, mm-hmm. that people... It was, like, a symbol of that. Yeah, um, the one thing I will say about if people are going to try to attempt the country club look, I'm like, guys, y'all can't do it, like... You can't be trying to buy that on Amazon. <laughs> I'm like, please, if you do that, like... Yeah, at least thrift something nice. That. Like, there are a lot of, like, nice, please. thrifted, like, ways to do that in, like, a vintage way that's, like, sustainable. Yes. But I'm like, I can't deal with you guys, like, trying to look like a classy like country club yeah, mom like you, yeah goodwill literally has a job interview section Go <laughs> i know for real well, it's like also because within preppy styles there's a lot of like you wear similar things at different ages of your life like i feel like 
older people give away their clothes from when they're younger and like I don't know, you can go to the thrift store and buy it. Also, I feel like the whorishness like should not be fully attempted, though I understand the eroticism there. Yeah, I know. People are really yeah. obsessed with MILFs lately. I'm like, you need to become like a mom that you don't want to fuck. <laughs> I like have a I have like a preoccupation with MILFs for the past like six months probably. Which is like a displaced obsession with fertility. Yeah. Uh, I have counsel with sam this wait because this reminds me of that this reminds me of that tiktok you sent the other day of that like russian girl being like stop calling yourself a bad bitch like i feel like we're gonna see more of that energy you know like where girls are oh yeah stop calling yourself hot yeah slut shaming is coming back not slut shaming but it's coming back in this way that's like based on self-respect yeah it's based on critical thinking Mm -hmm. and it's based on like you can do whatever you want but like it actually will be to your advantage to like not put that out there or like not put out the vibes that you are a whore i don't know whatever because a lot of what actually at the end of the day was about no go ahead repression i mean i don't know if that's what you're about to say but i do love the vibes of like i was um the repression of like upper class sexuality and like the fact that everyone's having an affair um, I do long for that um, rather than like the super overt style of sexuality today. And I mean, like, I think the um, oversaturation of like hypersexual images and like straight up pornography on the internet is leading people to chase like a form of sexuality that's way more nuanced and based on like individual desires. This is like something I wrote about recently with them. Um, I don't know, like erotic literature and like erotic audios are really popular now because people like just can't get off to like straight up like nudity or like videos of people fucking and i feel like those are so tied to physical media in a way that's like almost antiquated now but i'm kind of getting off track the point is like i think people are kind of recognizing the value in like sexual curiosity or like that tension between concealing and revealing so i'm not saying like this isn't my definitive sex negative stance but i think uh, sexuality is definitely changing in a way that's like approaching the old preppy attitude well i think repression is good for creativity and creativity is good for sex um, yeah i think preppy style is like also has always been about the balance between being conservative or being androgynous and being flamboyant mm-hmm. and so that if, if you're if you're interested in the style Maybe you can, you can lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are our predictions. We would love to know your thoughts. Everyone should tweet at us and reply to our Instagram stories. Yeah, also, yeah. engagement date. sent us a nice message. We really appreciate all of them. And uh, thank you so much for saying such nice things to us. Yes, we're so happy. Especially, yeah, the last few episodes the feedback has been so great. And I love to hear y'all, like, talk about your own personal relationship to these things. Like, with the Rookie Mag episode, there were so many people that, like, recounted their experiences. And I would love to hear that with this episode, too, because I feel like if you were a Rookie Mag teen, you definitely had a complicated relationship <laughs> to preppiness. Um, and you probably, like, still have it today based on, like, the resurgence of trad fashion and anime vibes uh so i would love to hear if you guys are preppy if you went on the preppy to alt pipeline or the alt to preppy pipeline or where you're taking it hey y'all are all really smart and 
cute and we love you guys yeah so true bestie <laughs> um and also you should engage with us in discourse on twitter and challenge our thoughts <laughs> just kidding yeah. send us a crazy email no i, like, I literally want to be yes, like that guy who goes to college campuses is steven crowder where he's like <laughs> bait me on this yeah. on like a fold out yeah. plastic table we're actually going to start doing that on college campuses across the country in Memphis alumni road trip i would love to do that yeah yeah i feel like that sounds like rookie road trip vibes but yeah kind of really hostile no rookies would have been a traveling zine workshop with like a bunch of polaroid cameras that you can like decorate <laughs> with stickers but ours is going to be a it's gonna be a, yeah it's, it's gonna be a normification workshop where we like take off all your accessories and like like what they would do on top model whenever yeah, tyra maybe. would be like you don't look like a model and she would make them like put their hair in a bun and like button up their shirt <laughs> exactly um, and sewing discord we'll also be sewing discord and yeah yeah and defacing people's pink cowboy hats with like tiaras on them mm-hmm. i will Definitely if there's not. one thing i'm going to take a stance against it's seriously the hegemony of that hat <laughs> that's the wrong word uh i would like to see that hat disappear yeah enough is enough yeah women are better than that <laughs> all right everyone thanks so much for listening uh leave us a review or a rating if you are feeling so inclined to do so and um well we don't know what our next episode will be about so are we taking suggestions we... <laughs> yeah maybe oh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. If you think there's anything that would sound good in our specific uh, vocal fry, let us know. Yeah, for sure. Well, that wraps up today. I hope you guys liked our episode. <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is when I do my, my giggle reel. Yeah, you have to giggle. I was waiting. I was like, okay, wait. going to giggle. Wait, Biz, you were giggling so much. It was so much cuter. <laughs> okay, stop.